I want to do art full time. So I have to spend my free time doing this, but I do want to because I feel like when I paint, it's like one of the only times that I am actually truly calm. So I have a lot of anxiety almost all the time and I'm a super anxious person. And that actually made it easy to realize that I need to paint full time <laughs> because I realized that when I'm painting, it's like the only time I'm not anxious or have anxiety. And wow. it's just completely like still, like my mind isn't thinking about what I did yesterday or like what I need to do or what I need to get done. It's just like very calm and peaceful, almost like meditating. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome back or welcome to another episode of the Feeding Curiosity Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Feeding Curiosity explores human experience. Through conversations, we can learn from other people with their ideas, their habits, routines, and anything else they've picked up along the way. It's through these conversations that we can have blueprints to live better in any form. I hope you look at your own life with just a little bit more curiosity. My guest today on podcast is my friend, Expression Arts. For reasons you'll soon find out, she wanted to remain anonymous on this podcast so that we could share it on her social platform by the same handle. Expression Art is based in LA and primarily works with paintings. Her style is heavily influenced by street art with themes of self-love, life struggle, and different emotions, which she portrays through combining elements of portraiture, words, and color. Her goal is to create art that connects with people on a deeper level by evoking emotions and creating a sense of vulnerability. I was really looking forward to having this because expression art is a more reserved person when you meet her in public. For me, this was my attempt to allow her to share more about her own interests and passions in an environment that she was comfortable doing so. And I was really, really happy about how this conversation turned out. As you will probably tell, is this conversation starts with a lot of energy. And by the end of it, I was just rewarded by being able to connect with someone who is my friend for a very long time, but haven't been able to have a conversation as deep as this. At the end of the day, I hope that everyone here listening who enjoys art here will take away something about what it means to pursue a craft or doing something that allows you to feel most present with yourself. One more time, please enjoy this conversation with Expression Art. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. On today's episode, we're actually joined by Expression Art, and this is going to be anonymous, at least for personal reasons, because just for your sake, you have a completely anonymous Instagram handle that I really wanted to share your artwork, and it's intentional on your part to really keep your own face from the page. And yes. so, one, welcome to the podcast, even though we are close friends, but also <laughs> this is in this context, this is the first time you'll be on the podcast, which is a lot of fun for me. So with that, take it where you want it. You just, why is it anonymous? Easy yeah, question. the real question. Hello, everyone. Basically, one reason why it's anonymous is, oh, there's a few reasons. So one reason is before I had Instagram, a personal Instagram, and I felt like 
I started caring way too much about it. And it was like in a toxic way. How I think social media could be great, but I feel like if it gets toxic, then it's not so great. <laughs> and for me at the time, I just started caring way too much about it, like likes and all that. And I was posting myself on it. So I would care like how I looked and I wanted everything to be perfect. So I deleted all social media and then I didn't have any social media for a while. And then I wanted to make one for art because social media is super important, but I just wanted to separate myself from the art. And that kind of goes into the second reason how I feel like when people follow me, it's because they're following me for my art. And I feel like sometimes if you post yourself, which isn't a bad thing, I feel like a lot of people that do art do post themselves and they want people to see themselves, which is super cool. But I feel like sometimes you don't know if they're following you for you or your art. And I just wanted that to be like completely clear just for myself. Any way is good, however people want to do it. But just for myself, I felt like mentally would be the most healthy to just have my art and just have people follow me for my art. And then I guess it's just cool too <laughs> to not have to worry about posting myself and like just post the things that like I like and I don't know, just my art. I think it's easy for the hobbies you have or getting sucked into having a creative outlet that then takes over from intrinsic thing of do, doing art like broadly mm -hmm. speaking and so when you are just able to like not be the person like just put it out there I think it allows you to separate uh, the overvaluing it like at a personal level where it's is it good is like, is it good enough am I getting enough likes for it to be in quotes good yeah especially because of how much our identities can get wrapped up into the online sphere especially with probably during the last year with COVID and we're all like stuck online more often it's so much easier just to be like looking for an outlet of anything just connecting with people and so it's maybe a slippery slope and and I at least on my perspective like outside looking in for me, it's actually helped me like understand not only your like creative process, but also influences. And then just seeing how you express yourself, which is ironic saying that because it's <laughs> expression art, but it's accurate. <laughs> yeah, that's actually why I chose the name. So as an actually, I guess my Instagram name is expression art and like the art name, but not really like my name as an artist. Mm -hmm. So I'm still trying to figure out what my actual artist name is because like expression arts is like the art I don't know it's weird but no, I'm still working saying. on that <laughs> but like when I was thinking of a, an art name I thought that expression art works perfect because that's all my art is really about mm -hmm. which is I feel like could be corny because I guess that's what all art is <laughs> but I think that's the point of art though it evokes some sort of expression and, and it's Maybe you would have a different take on this, but it's not about, it's, it means one thing for you as the one who created it, but then it could mean something else totally different for the one who views it. And as you've now done this more often with like commission work and things like that, have you seen how people react or respond once they actually have the commissioned piece? Yeah, it's actually super cool. So one I'll talk about is, I don't know if you saw it, but I did one piece for this organization that's about like foster youth and like they were raising money for them and like youth artists. So I did the painting and it was really cool because when I painted it, I like told him all the ideas and like what it was going to look like. But I felt like when he actually saw it, he actually found things that he related to in the painting that like 
I actually didn't even think about, which I think is so cool about art is that what I was thinking to express myself, he found meaning in it in a different way. And like some of the words in the background, I was just putting, like I put like strength and all these positive words mm -hmm. and I put them blurred out and he actually, and then I put resilience was the name of the piece and I put resilience like really big. And he said that what it meant to him was like the smaller words are what he went through in like the foster system. And like his thoughts were like blurred out, like the oh, strength wow. and stuff was like blurred and the positivity, like he kept coming back to it, but it was still got like fuzzy. But then the overall feeling was like resilience because he got through all of it. So that's like, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many layers to that. that. It's like funny to say layers too, because it literally is like layered on the <laughs> painting. That's really um, neat. Go ahead. Yeah, and I just thought that was so cool that he found, like, a different meaning in it because, like, I've never been through that system, so those weren't what I was thinking. Like, when I was expressing my feelings, it was, like, completely different to what he took from it, so that was just super cool. It's showing something universal that we can... I guess maybe that's what art does in a lot of ways. It, it helps us, ex like, connect at a... Maybe just an emotional level that, mm -hmm. that it's, like, it almost defies the words like all we have is like a singular thing that's like such a broad like anger or, or like love or anything like that it's once you start trying to explain it at a deeper level it's then it feels like this thing and it feels a little bit like that thing and you, you can't really articulate mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. until you're actually like in front of a person and like just walking through the whole experience of it uh -huh. especially something like being in the foster system that would that's just a whole roller coaster of emotions mm -hmm. yeah so i definitely like that i can do that for people. And I think that doing commissions might even be one of my favorite parts. Like one of my friends was asking me, do I really like doing commissions? Cause she wanted to do art, but like doing the commissions part and what other people wanted stopped her from doing art. Cause she just wanted just to have her ideas and express herself in that way. So like the pressure of having to do something else deterred her from it. But I think that doing commissions and like sharing that with someone and like seeing the reaction and seeing what they felt from it, I feel like it's such a cool part of it. Like it just, I feel like even if it was for free or like for money or not, like either way, I just like being able to share that. I, I didn't think about it that way, but I, it reminds me of going when I got my first tattoo. Like I had an idea in my head about what it would look like. And I had just thrown something together on a Word document with just some photos that I just cobbled together. And then the artist was there and she's, let me go draw something. I'll be right back. And then she took an hour, maybe 30 minutes or something. And then mm -hmm. it was like that moment when she came back and I saw it for the first time. I was like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, that's it. Uh, like that feeling where it just feels like it's right. And mm -hmm. And I totally get that from the opposite side of it, where like you get to someone else was able to take your idea and, and that was in your head and like breathe life into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually, yeah, that's so cool. I There definitely is stresses that come with it. So I understand why sometimes people may not want to do commissions because I feel like that pressure of making that vision come to life and like wondering, is this really what they were thinking? That's why making art that isn't commissions and it's just your own ideas is definitely a lot less stressful because it's only in your mind and not in anyone else's. So you don't have to make anything come to life. And if it comes out different, like if I'm just making my own art for myself, it co if it comes out different than what I expected and I still like the outcome, 
then it's cool. Mm-hmm. But if someone else is telling me what to do, or even if it's a specific person and it's a portrait and it doesn't come out looking like them, then there's nothing you could do about that. Yeah. So there definitely is stresses with it, but I do really love the feeling of when it's done and you give it to them and you get to see their like reaction and like what they get from it. Yeah. It's like a double-edged sword now that I'm thinking about it, right? I think anyone who becomes an artist or even like a photographer or, or graphic designer, even there's always going to be a point. Like if you have a public facing version of whatever it is that you do there, and if someone enjoys what you're doing enough, there, there will always be a chance that someone's going to reach out to you and say, Hey, can you do something for me? Can you work on this for me? I think it, at least in my opinion, you can't get better at something unless you have an external source that helps you understand what it is that you're doing. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's just like a natural tendency that at a point you have to start taking uh, like commissions or, or not even just commissions, but working with other people to create something because that's the only way you'll ever get better. Because otherwise yeah. you'll, just, you'll never get beyond your own style or your own, you'll always just gravitate to a certain thing that you'll never want to leave from because you just are better at it. Just whatever, for whatever reason, you just enjoy doing that. Is there anything like that for you? like comfort zone (laughs) I guess yeah that's actually interesting you brought that up that's actually something like I'm struggling with now because since I just started painting maybe like seriously for two years now but in the beginning of those that like the, the beginning of that first year it wasn't like super serious I just started dabbling in painting and then started taking it serious from there but since I haven't been doing it long basically everything I've never done before. So if people ask me, oh, can you do this for me? I just say, yeah, but really, (laughs) really, I don't know if I could do it until I do it because half the things, there's only been a few things that I have done. Mm -hmm. So most things that people ask me, I really don't know, which is cool. That's another reason why commissions, because it does bring you out of your comfort level. And even how I said, if it doesn't come out looking right, it's okay if it's just for you. But that pushes you to really make it try to look like whatever it is they want. And if you never have that pressure, you'll never get past that. Yeah. But yeah, basically every commission that I've ever had, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I could do it, but I don't really know if I can, (laughs) which is like, it's super cool because then when I accomplish it, Mm -hmm. it's like super cool because I'm learning about myself and I never thought that I can do that. And then I see it and I'm like, wow, I really did that. It's such a cool feeling. It's like getting the reps in at the gym, but in just a mm-hmm. different sense. So for you, is it, say someone like, I don't know if you have an example off the top of your head that you can use, but if someone asks you to draw something you've never drawn before or paint something you've never painted before, what do you like take steps to do that? Do you just freehand it from your mind or do you find examples on the internet or somewhere that you emulate or... Just walk, walk me through the process that you would take. <laughs> yeah. So actually, when I don't know how to do something and when I do know how, it's a similar process for both things, but they do have a little bit of differences. But usually, even when I think of something or if someone gives me an image, if they either give me a specific image, it's this process is a little bit different. But if they just tell me what they want, usually what I do first is go on Pinterest Actually, that's my favorite thing. And then I just, I have like an inspiration board on there and anything that I see on Pinterest say it is a picture of someone. Like I just recently did like the Nipsey Hustle one. So I'll just like type in Nipsey Hustle and then save any picture that kind of 
resembles of what I want to do. And then even for the background, if I see something that kind of resembles what I want for the background, but not exactly. All the pictures that I save usually aren't exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like for portraits, it's different because sometimes you have to like actually do the the picture exactly. And then the background, you could change up however you want. But if it's not an actual portrait of someone and it's just something like that they thought of, then I'll just save any picture on Pinterest that I think resembles it. And like, then I'll go through them and take like little elements from the pictures. So say it's like they want someone's head turned like toward the side. I'll just pick random pictures of people that have their head towards the side. Not that I'm actually painting any of those specific people, but since I'm just starting to learn, I don't really from memory know the exact lines it looks like from someone's head turned toward the side. Right. So then I'll just take certain elements of each picture that I saved. And then I look at my phone the entire time I'm painting. Like it's literally, I know you guys can't see me because <laughs> only voice, but you could see me, but I like glanced on my phone, like every 10 seconds as I'm painting it just to make sure that all of the lines are in the right spot. And then I will use like reference of the, even the paintbrush and just like measure out, but not, I never use like a, (laughs) yeah, I never use like a ruler or there's like a graphing method you can do where like, you can put the, yeah, yeah. I never do anything like that, but I just will use the paintbrush kind of so I like will put the paintbrush on my phone and see like how far away like the ear is from the mouth or something and then in my head transform it to a bigger size I don't know if that makes sense no, it makes know. sense it's so fascinating to me because it's yeah just, it's such and an acquired like, skill <laughs> yeah and I could just see the pencil it's that small that on this it would be that big and you could just see the proportions that mm-hmm. way but yeah mainly I always just listen to music and look at Pinterest and sometimes I'll even do that for just if I go sit down to paint I'll just scroll on Pinterest for that whole like three hours (laughs) if I can't figure out what it is exactly I want Mm -hmm. and just save a whole bunch of pictures and then think on them and see what I want. And then the next time I go to paint, then I actually have it. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's fun. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, before what I would do, you, you asked if like I sketch it first or like just freehand it before I would literally just start painting yeah and not sketch anything not even like on paper first or not on the canvas I would just go in with paint and start at a random spot and just keep going but and that was my favorite way of doing it because it was just like free flowing and there was no strict lines you had to follow but when it came to commissions it's harder to do that especially when if it's a specific picture they want done or like a portrait of someone it has to look more exact so then I started practicing sketching it on paper first just to make sure I can do it so I'll just sketch it in pencil on a sketch pad just like a very rough outline and then I would go on the canvas and sketch it in pencil first and then start painting (laughs) that's cool so So. do you show the sketches first and get like reviews or anything like that just out of curiosity more than anything else it depends working on a painting now and it's for actually another organization for like youth foster care and homeless kids yeah but for her specifically she asked if I could send a sketch first so I sent her but for most people 
if they don't ask, I usually will just sketch it for myself just to make sure I can do it and yeah. then just start on it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I was just curious if you like make sure that it's, it looks like something they would want or they just trust you enough if they don't ask for it, that they'll just be okay with whatever they get. Yeah. It's, a, it's such a cool process. And then going back, like with the process part of it, now that you're refining how you attack things or if you're like using Pinterest as your way to explore, do you just have like days where you don't really want to work on any of your, your current projects? Do you just doodle, have pages where you just, just paint whatever comes to mind or things that, like try things that just you like to do and say, hey, let me see if I can try my own version of that. Do you do anything like that? Yeah, I've been doing it more recently now that I'm getting like more serious about it. And this is like what I want to do for my career. So yeah, I do have days that I do that. I should be doing that a lot more often. But if I'm not feeling like so inspired to work on the painting, or sometimes there's parts of paintings that I get, I don't know, what's the word? I just get like nervous to start on them. So like the portrait I was working on, like I did the eyes and stuff and it looked really good. And then like I had to start on the hair and I'll get in my own head sometimes. And I like will procrastinate <laughs> on doing it because I'm like, I don't want to mess it up. It already looks so good. So then on those days, I'll try to like sketch or do something other than that painting. And that I really enjoy. That's why I should really do it more because it is so like free flowing and it doesn't matter at all what the sketch looks like. And, but I feel like it's harder for me to do that actually than to do the specific project I'm working on because I like planning things and I think I finding inspiration and like deep diving into the project. So when it comes to just like freely sketching without any thought in my head, it sometimes is harder for that. Yeah, I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. It's interesting to me too. It's like going through the the stages of a project where you'll be really excited about it and then be be really good about one aspect of it and then be mm -hmm. afraid of messing it up. I think that's so common. <laughs> I get the same way for doing this podcast or doing any of the writing that I ever do. Or I'll get done with it and be like, ah, oh, Jesus, now I got to go find something else to go do. Now it's like the, the process of starting over again perpetually, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I think that's actually one of the hardest things is starting on a blank canvas. Because you're like starting over. Yeah. Is there any like things that you do to maybe not warm yourself up, but get yourself past that first phase of the blank canvas or the blank piece of paper feeling? Yeah. I always start listening to music mm. because I feel like that kind of gets me in like the zone. Any specific um, songs or artists so people can go check those out? That'd be cool. Uh, yeah. I really like Colette Lush. I really like Ari Lennox. Ari Lennox is one of my all-time favorites. I actually painted her. Who else? I like Snow Allegra. I like her. Just a lot of like R&B, super chill music. Yeah. Uh, any artist that kind of relates to that music, I probably listen to. That's like all of my playlist. <laughs> but also sometimes I do like to listen to J. Cole if I'm feeling a little more in the rap feel, yeah. but mainly just cool. I'll have a uh, link yeah. to those artists so people can check them out. I've know almost every one of those, especially <laughs> Colette. I've seen her Instagram recently. Fascinating. Yeah, so her voice is just incredible. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that really helps a lot. Listening to like music like that. It really like puts me in that flow state. And then I feel like usually if I have a blank canvas, what I'll do is just start. I feel like once you just put the first mark on that, it 
like just makes it so much easier. (laughs) Even if it's not even, I mess up a lot painting. And even if I put the first line and I'm like, oh, that wasn't where I was supposed to put it. Then I just put white over it and start again. But I feel like even just putting that first line, even if it's the wrong line, it just breaks the ice of starting. Yeah, that's so interesting because it's like such a this microcosm of choosing to do anything. It's just taking that first step or putting the first brushstroke on there that once you get past the resistance of even doing it, then you're like, wait a minute, I like doing this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is something that I struggle with too is like finding the motivation to do it. And I was just talking about this the other day that I think the only cure of that is if you're like in a funk or you can't find the motivation or like the inspiration to do something is actually doing the thing (laughs) that you don't really feel motivated to do no matter what it is I feel like that could relate to like working out or just not even creative wise but just doing it because then you remember that you really enjoy it (laughs) and then say it's a painting that I'm like procrastinating working on because maybe I'm nervous about it I don't know if I can do it And then I actually do it and then it comes out cool. And then I'm out of the funk because then I'm excited to work on it tomorrow. But (laughs) I'm like, say working out, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm so lazy. I don't feel like it. But then you actually go and you feel so good. So then it like gets you out of that funk. Definitely. It's such an interesting thing. It's you got to create momentum for yourself in in a lot of ways. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's weird. I don't know if you go through this, at least for the things that you enjoy doing, or at least I've done this for myself. It's I try to talk, I talk myself like out of doing them or out of enjoying them. It's you're wasting your time. You're spending mm-hmm. all these like negative thought patterns. And then something will happen where I'll be talking to someone and like talking about the idea that I've been like procrastinating on doing. And then all of a sudden it's, oh yeah, I really got to go do that now because I, I really do care about that thing. But then you, mm-hmm. you spend all this, your, your time just talking yourself into the corner and saying, nope, never mind, Waste the time. Yeah. <laughs> Does that happen yeah. to you? Yeah, that happens a lot, especially now since I am in the beginning stages and not not able to be a full-time artist yet. I'm always like arguing with myself in my head. <laughs> and just like you said, oh, like I'm wasting my time. Should I really do this? But then I think, and I try to think of other careers that I want. And I'm like, there's literally nothing else that I think <laughs> I would want. So sometimes you just have to even if you don't feel like doing it that day or you don't feel the most confident at it, you just have to do it because otherwise you're not going to be able to do that for a living. (laughs) It reminds me of a quote that I recently heard and it was in the context of two different categories. It was do the things that make you feel more like yourself. And that can be Mm -hmm. in the context of a thing that you do, right? Like a career that you choose or the people that you like to surround yourself around. And it's mm-hmm. like, if you feel like I belong here, I don't, it, I, I don't know how to describe it outside of a sense of belonging. This just no, feels yeah. right. Yeah, I totally feel that. That's how I feel. That's why I think I know I want to do art full time because I do feel that way. When I am painting, I feel like it just feels right. And it feels like this is what I need to do and nothing else has really given me that feeling. And I went to school for fashion which I went to an art school. Yeah. And I thought that I was passionate about fashion, but I realized that now after doing art that I've never felt this way about anything else before. So Hmm. that is, I feel like that quote is very true. (laughs) That's really interesting. So did you take any like drawing classes or painting classes in, in school while you were in college? Yeah. So I took a few drawing classes my like 
freshman year Mm -hmm. just because I like drawing. And I actually originally went to school to do social work. Okay. And then... I ended up changing my sophomore year, I think, to fashion. So in my freshman year, before I was even doing fashion, I started, I took a few um, drawing classes, but it was just like drawing fundamentals. And I really enjoyed that class. And I think that was the only class (laughs) that I really enjoyed. And even like in high school, like the art classes and stuff like that weren't really art they're just basic art things that every person could do um (laughs) but those like thinking back at those were my favorite classes too and uh, then when I switched my major to fashion I took some like fashion drawing classes and like figure drawing classes because you have to know how to like at least draw a little bit of people to draw the clothes on the people. So in that class, I think was like three hours long of just drawing. And that, yeah, it was actually my favorite class too. So Hmm. I started thinking like, I think (laughs) there's more there. Something's starting to line up here, but it's not what I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Yeah. And that's why I think I do appreciate going to school for fashion because it made me realize that you can one do art full time because I went to an art school and saw people pursuing that career and I never really thought that was possible. And then for two, since I took some of those drawing classes, it made me realize that I like painting and drawing more than fashion. <laughs> Most of the time, at least when we talk about these creative fields like art and drawing and music and that whole gamut of activities, it's mostly you're six years old and you're just knew that you wanted to do those things when you, you know, mm-hmm. when you were older, but I'm always fascinated about like how that story unfolds, especially for people who find it later in life. I, I would only know this because we're such close friends. I think it helps too, that you work at least full time because I think we know more about what we are want to do with our lives when we would, when we want to do it in our own free time, because we could do mm-hmm. anything else. <laughs> and here you are spending your time, painting and drawing and exploring this craft that you could otherwise not be doing. And it's, yeah. And I think it's without that experimentation and and that pull internally, we won't, you wouldn't know it otherwise. Like for school, it's easy to like, you have to do it for a grade, but you're not doing it for a grade anymore. It shows something about your level of interest. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. And that's something else that could make things hard because sometimes I I do work my full-time job and then go to the gym. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I really don't want to paint because I only have a few hours now to just chill. But then I try to remind myself that full-time job isn't really like I want to do art full-time. So I have to spend my free time doing this, but I do (laughs) want to because I feel like when I paint, it's like one of the only times that... I am actually truly calm. So I have a lot of anxiety almost all the time and I'm a super anxious person. And that actually made it easy to realize that I need to paint full time <laughs> because I realized that when I'm painting, it's like the only time I'm not anxious or have anxiety. And wow. it's just completely like still. Like my mind isn't thinking about what I did yesterday or like what I need to do or what I need to get done. It's just like very calm and peaceful almost like meditating (laughs) yeah that's really interesting so does it like pull you into the present basically where you don't think about the rest of Mm -hmm. your day or or not even rest of your day but what's happening tomorrow (laughs) even yeah it definitely is like the most present (laughs) that I can be (laughs) 
Wow. That's so cool. But just super cool. When did that, like, when did that realization mm-hmm. come for you? Is this relatively new or just gradual? Like you're just starting to become more aware of it? Yeah, I'm starting to become more aware of it. But now that I think about it, thinking back to like college, even my freshman year when I was away at school, I remember when I was feeling anxious, I would draw and then I would draw for like two hours and that would actually calm me down. And since I didn't do it as often as I do it now, I didn't really think about it like that. I just knew that when I drew, I was more calm, Mm -hmm. but didn't think that I can do that as a career. You know what I mean? So it was like more just like a calming hobby. But yeah, I think it's always been like that. I'm just realizing it more now and actually doing it all the time now. It it reminds me, and I'm not sure if there's, I feel like there's science behind it, but I can't cite any science about this, but One of the things people would say about when you get stuck in like thought loops, like anxiety or even depression, like one of the things people would say is to get out of the mind and into the body. And normally I would think of this in the sense of going out on a walk or on a run or something like that, or just paying attention to your breath. Mm -hmm. But in your sense, it it actually holds true too, because instead of just sitting there in your own thoughts, you have to pick up a pencil or a paintbrush and start moving your hands and thinking about what's going on the page, right? You're thinking about something that's external to to the self and you're not stuck going down the rabbit hole of your own, whatever it is that you're um, trying to process. Right. Like you're able to step away from those, yeah. those negative thought patterns. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's interesting that you bring up like the negative thought patterns. That's actually why in a lot of my art, the words that I use, because a lot of my art has words in it. If people listening don't know that the words that I use are usually positive words or just like themes of like self-love and stuff like that, because it's almost like therapy in a way that if I am anxious, that when I'm painting, I'm actually painting positive words, <laughs> just mm. people journal and write yeah. affirmations, which I do that also. I really love doing that, <laughs> but like actually painting it since I'm calm and then painting those words is like a reassurance. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. It's funny. Most people don't think about it this way, but you are training yourself in optimism by doing this. Um, Mm -hmm. it's like affirmations are you writing, writing down positive, you know, reinforcement basically. And so by tying this to something like your painting, it's almost like you're priming your own like mental state to be like, to enjoy it even more, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's not just a task to accomplish, but it also has this underlying like positive reinforcing benefit that like, it's the same thing as going to the gym and working out. You can mm-hmm. tell yourself that you're going to get better because you're moving your body and your, your lungs are going to get better for it. I think another reason why art is so important that even people who will say, Oh, I can't even draw a stick figure or they just think that they're not a good artist. I think that art is important for everyone. I really would love to be able to, do something with art related to kids as a career, like art therapy I thought about, or just like opening like a center where kids can come and express themselves. Anyway, like it doesn't have to necessarily be like painting, but just any way. I think that art is so important because even if you think you're not great at it, I think just being able to do it Mm -hmm. and express yourself in this way is really, like you said, even if you're not putting words, positive words, I just think just the process of it and expressing yourself can help in a lot of ways. Yeah. 
Does that I, make sense? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, it absolutely does. I, I think it's a really interesting way of articulating it because most of the time we all, we at a young age, most of us go through, you know, like elementary school, we have some sort of art classes that we have to take. It feels more like you're trained out of being like, I'm not creative and I'm using creative in quotes for people who don't see us. But it's like this idea that you, to be creative, you have to do a very like narrow set of things. Even for myself, I didn't, why? Well, didn't consider myself to be a creative for a very long time. It, probably, mm-hmm. it wasn't until I started doing the podcast that I was like, wait a minute, I'm just being creative in a different realm than what we would normally think of. And, yeah, yeah. And I think the longer that we can like foster that ability that to think creatively, and even if it happens to be with like painting or drawing or whatever, like eventually mm-hmm. you could give some uh, like young kids like a tablet and just have some sort of like finger drawing tool and you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about, like what whatever they're doing on those I think it speaks to just how wide of a category that creativity is it's just something about human experience mm-hmm. and, and I'm not sure maybe you can expand on this but one of the ideas it was one of the co-founders of Pixar he, he talked about drawing mm-hmm as a way to, it's not just like being creative, but it teaches you to see the world in a different way. When you try to translate something in real life to then like on a two dimensional page, it teaches you something way different than, it's not just trying to create it, you're seeing the world for what it actually is in some ways. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Especially if you're like actually looking at something, so you're looking at the sky and trying to draw it, you really have to be present in that moment and look at, you really have to look at it and see like the different angles and like, basically when you draw, everything is just like shapes. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell a lot of people who think they can't draw. If you literally just look at everything as a shape, it becomes so easy. <laughs> but yeah, like I think when you're looking at the world in a different way, no matter how you do that if you're looking at the world in shapes now or just however your way of translating that is yeah it is like a cool different way than you would normally think of the world that's such a cool way of 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 talking about it because i think most of us at least my normal way to think about drawing something is i i take too many of the details in all at once Mm-hmm. rather like at first right I've gotten better at this because I've become obsessed with places like Pixar and their creative process but it's like right. when you start breaking down I, I think I guess maybe in layers is probably the best way of describing it is as you it's like just layering the next maybe polish is like a, dra- mm-hmm. a drawing is just a two-dimensional like layering of different details and you just it slowly is. add on right if mm-hmm. you can continue my metaphor and <laughs> poorly explain yeah no yeah so yeah I get that and it's just basically like lines mm-hmm. that you put all these lines together and it creates something and I think that's what makes it seem like it's so difficult which yeah maybe when people try it it still might be difficult for them but I think if you really simplify it and just start with one line and that actually sometimes can trick your mind which I use the paintbrush for too mm-hmm. is that sometimes when I'm looking either at a picture or even something right in front of you, the way that you would imagine the line to be can actually be the opposite. Oh, interesting. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's hard <laughs> to explain, especially if you if I can't show you. But in my mind, at least, sometimes when I think, say, I'm drawing a chair, mm-hmm. I think that the legs are coming out 
but the way that it really is, they're like angled the other way. Mm -hmm. And since it's three dimensional, yeah, it's an optical illusion. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes I'll have to take the paintbrush and hold it up to actually see which way the line is going. And I'll do that to like pictures that I'm drawing too, just to make sure that because if you draw the line the wrong way, it's going to make everything look wrong. So I'll always double check to see, is it really going that way? Or is it just kind of just drawing a bunch of lines and shapes and then they turn into something? (laughs) Like, is my brain just playing tricks on me? (laughs) Yeah, it really does. You wouldn't even imagine. (laughs) That's so cool. I'm just like fascinated by the ability for people to translate reality into onto a page. And Mm -hmm. And not only that, but also make it look real if that makes sense like a photograph it's yeah I think that is super cool too like people that do super realism where it looks exactly like it I think that is so cool but I am very far from that yeah (laughs) I'll have to send you a photo there's a she's a lifter but she also does like uh portrait paintings that are like really detailed and, mm-hmm. But she'll do like progress updates on her stories every so often when she starts like one and it's, you'll just see like a nose and nothing else is around it at all. And then it yeah. like slowly over like weeks or months, you'll just slowly see more and more detail. And then like, it's sometimes like, I forget who she drew, but the person had like very curly hair. And so mm-hmm. you could barely even tell what she was drawing until it was like almost three quarters of the way done. You're like, Oh wait, that's been hair the whole time. And yeah. it's just like these crazy, like super detailed things that you're just like, I don't even know how you could draw single strands of hair with that much detail kind of stuff. I know <laughs> it is really crazy. I feel like I get so impressed. I'll just like zoom in the picture and I'm like, no way they got that little pore in the nose or like just little tiny hairs on someone's face. Like it's so crazy to me. And even me painting, it's still so crazy. Because <laughs> I like, I can't do that. So like, it's super, mm-hmm. super impressive that people that can do that. Yeah, I think that's a lot of fun. Like, as a creative thing, where you can look at someone and, and see what they do, and uh-huh. still have that same feeling of I have no idea how they did that, but it's awesome <laughs> that they were able to do that. Yeah, you know. And I actually think that painting gives me like a greater appreciation for art. Hmm. Because a lot of the things that I, before I really started getting in, and before I even painted at all, because I didn't really paint at all. I used to draw, but not really paint. And I used to look at some paintings and think, oh, that's, that looks easy. Anyone can do that. Oh, why are people? But then once you paint anything, you realize how difficult it can really be. <laughs> and then you look back at those same paintings that you thought looked so easy before, and you like really appreciate them because like you realize how difficult that really is yeah. <laughs> and how cool it is that like they thought of that or just, it just gives you a greater appreciation of it. Do you have any, like your most challenging maybe elements, if not an entire piece, like anything that's really challenged your, like pushed your limits that has given you appreciation for things in other people's art? Yeah. I think that the Nipsey hustle painting that I just recently did was my most challenging one so far because I think it was the first, it wasn't the first portrait I did, but it was the first commission portrait. Mm. So it had to come out like it. But I really tried to push myself on the details of it, even though it wasn't as detailed as people that are crazy good at that. But I did try to push myself more to do smaller details that I wouldn't usually do. And I think that 
gave me a greater appreciation of the people who do use like a ton of detail because I think and look back at what I did and I was like, wow, that was really hard. And that took me like so long to do. And then I look at the other people's that are so much more detailed and I'm like, I don't even know how, like, (laughs) it's crazy. (laughs) I'll definitely have links to, to some of these pieces that you've mentioned from your Instagram so that people can check them out. I'm obsessed by people who are immersed in the pursuit of craft. And I know that's a really wordy way of saying this. No, yeah. I just think it's such a cool thing to be like, to just chase a thing and say that no matter how good you get at it, there's always going to be another thing that you wish you could have done. Or I'm sure you'll you do this already where you look at something you've completed and say, I see all the other things that you like could do better now or what you would fix, yes. right? <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. Like I've even made a piece for one of my friends mm-hmm. and been at her house. And I keep telling her every time I'm like, next time I come, I'm going to bring my paint with me because I cannot stand to look at this anymore. Like I need to fix this. <laughs> and that even happens so many times during the process too, that I'll be like, oh my God, I hate this. I hate this. I can't do this. This looks horrible. And then I'll do something else. And I'm like, okay, that looks good. And then I'll mess it up. And I'm like, I hate this again. That happens so many times. And I feel like that I can look at all of my finished paintings and probably find like a million things that I want to change. Mm-hmm. And that's the tough part of actually finishing. Mm-hmm. I think a painting is realizing when you're done <laughs> because like you could keep going back and changing and changing and it's just you have to get to a point where you think that it looks complete and you need to stop otherwise it'll just turn into a complete different painting <laughs> do you have to trick yourself to just put it down and say this is done like I have to mm-hmm. just put this away or I'm never going to move on to any other work ever <laughs> yeah I'm like I get to a point like sometimes I know I really have to add things to make it balanced because mm-hmm. some of the backgrounds that I do are like more free flowing or just like random words or random like smudges and stuff mm-hmm. and sometimes I really will look at it and think I need to add something to make this balanced mm-hmm. but then once it feels balanced then I have to step away and say okay there's nothing <laughs> more than I can do right now but there is that one last step that I always have to do to make it balanced I always think I'm done and then there's always a one maybe it happens the next day or maybe in a few hours or something or maybe even right then I think of it yeah but there's always a last step. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something that's missing. <laughs> it's so normal. It's like always chasing you this little thing. As soon as you think something's done, then it's like something yeah. that always, it's like, like a gopher or a mole. Just, Hey, not, not quite yeah. yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's so, it's so interesting. Cause I feel very much the same way about a lot of the things that I do. And even in writing, for instance, no matter how many times I've proofread stuff, thing, I will notice a typo or something that I've messed up yep. after I release it. And I'm like, oh, yep. come on. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you just have to tell yourself, like, you did the best that you could at that time. Yep. And maybe since that time you got better or like, you just can't beat yourself up over it because at that moment you thought everything was good. Mm-hmm. So you just have to remember that at that moment you were fine with it. So you just have to move on. Yeah. If I see something that it's, I would rather redo it, I'll put it in the back of my head. And when, when I give it more time and I have more things that I want to change, then I'll go mm-hmm. back 
and adjust everything all at once so that it's Mm -hmm. not just me tweaking minuscule details all the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's just a process of learning in real time. You can't get it right all the time and you won't learn unless you've attempted to try something in, Mm -hmm. in the first place. Yeah. And I feel like at one point, you're probably going to look back and I'm sure in a few years, I'll look back at all the paintings I did now mm-hmm. and hopefully have gotten better by then and look back and be like, all of those are not that great. <laughs> but at the time, I thought they were great. So you just have to like, let it go. Because <laughs> yep. the goal is to uh, get better. <laughs> another great quote for this is do what you can with what you have right now. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's, yeah. It's, we're always a constantly a work in progress and yes not beating yourself up so much so that you you, you paralyze yourself from acting at all mm-hmm. I, I think it's one of the things that i think when you're creative in general it's easy to paralyze yourself into inaction but because we idolize people who we think are great musicians or other artists in any domain or even athletes and for a lot of that too we inadvertently will say, look at how great they are. I'll never match up to their level of skill. But mm-hmm. one of the things, and I don't know if you do this, but one of the things I always tell myself is someone like that person had a day one that was just a long time ago compared to where they're at right now, right? Like yeah. their day you one was- start somewhere. Right, their day <laughs> one was 10 years ago with no cameras on them and whatever. Like nobody cared. We just have to do what we can right now to so that by the time in the next 20 years, we'll be where they're at relatively speaking right <laughs> yeah start somewhere and i think that's important to just not give up because then you'll never get to where they are or where you want to be mm-hmm. so we're almost an hour and so this is like just flown by it's crazy so the like last few questions i did these are just like the general ones that i like to ask all of my guests on here and mm-hmm. so the first one is like any books or other even if you don't read a lot any other like media that you like that has like had a big impact on you could be movies, documentaries, or books, any of those. Ooh, I feel like the book that you actually gave me, The Awareness, mm-hmm. I always forget who I'm sure you the author. Tony DeMello. Yes, that <laughs> book is amazing. <laughs> and I feel like it changed my perspective on a lot of things. And I actually have been meaning to reread it now because I feel like. I've come a long way from where I was the first time I read it. So I just want to see if I find any different messages. And then what else? There's another book that's similar to that one. Hmm. Why can't I think of it? I don't know what it's called. Something like the key to happiness or something. I don't know. I can, I'll send you the actual title yeah, if you want. If you remember, I'll just put it in the show notes so people can go and explore. Yeah. And then I guess other mediums, maybe. I feel like we already talked about artists. Mm-hmm. Actually, now that you say podcast, oh, there is a podcast that, let me see. I'll actually get you the name of this one. <laughs> Because I know where it is and I can find it. But this podcast, I just listened to really recently and it really was awesome. (laughs) It is, it's called The Cure for Chronic Pain with Nicole Sachs. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce your last name. But I've only listened, I think, two of the podcasts on there, but I'm sure all of them are really great. And this one was Listen to Your Inner Child and Watch Your Life Transform. 
on that one yeah super good I've been like really looking into all that stuff like inner child and like meditation and all that stuff so Mm -hmm. if you like that stuff that podcast was really good that's (laughs) awesome I I think that's I think that's a great book and I, I actually have another book recommended for you even though it is male specifically but it's called I don't want to talk about it and it's about men respond to depression where instead mm-hmm. of the typical standard depression where people withdraw and go inward, it talks about how men are more likely to become aggressive and mm-hmm. drink and, and lash out to the people around them and then traumatize their own kids, most likely. Right. And, and I thought it was, I read the book and I don't have any diagnosis of any kind, but I really resonated with a lot of the stories. And I just think if you're just interested in the idea of confronting your own trauma being yeah e- yeah either it being little t trauma or big t trauma it doesn't really matter right. i just think it's a fantastic book just to understand how people like internalize pain is, is a good yeah yeah definitely i'll definitely check that out it had a really big impact on me it's, it's part of the, it's like one of those big books that like like with awareness that i just it just hit me at the right time that i just was like okay yeah <laughs> gotta take mm-hmm. this stuff serious <laughs> yeah yeah for sure that's really cool and so one last question before we wrap up the, this one is, I, I just like to ask in general, because I, I don't think we get a chance to, to do this most often, but it's like, if you hit, knew someone who's like just getting out of college or smart driven, all that kind of stuff, what advice would you give them as they enter into the real world? And I know it's a crazy time to enter the real world. When isn't it a crazy time? Right. So Yeah, I guess it kind of depends on what they yeah assume yeah assume it's like something that you could talk on like within the creative realm if they wanted to do something broadly creative relatively artistic just so Hmm. you can speak on it a little bit more from your (laughs) own experience (laughs) yeah that's a tough question (laughs) I feel like I would just tell them like to really like deep dive into what it is they want to do and I feel like I spent a lot of time not doing that and I think I would have been a lot further along if I really took it serious and started learning and just doing it all the time when I first got out of college but I think I don't know if I was nervous or just didn't think that it was possible but I would just really suggest that like really learning as much as you can and like deep diving into it and doing it as much as you can would probably be my advice and saying yes to everything if someone asks you to do something or go to a certain event or just even if no one asks you to go to an event Mm -hmm. if something comes up and you see it just go to everything you can revolving that thing because I think that would help the most that's awesome I think you're spot on I I think in general a lot of us think that like the idea of passion is something that you're going to wake up one morning and you're going to just know what it is your passion is. But I think we have to just attempt things and it's the yeah. things that stick that are wind up becoming your passions. It's the things that you make yeah. time for. It's it's one of the things that I hear people talk about a lot where it's, I don't have time for that. And it's if things, the things that you want to do matter to you, you make time for not mm-hmm. only the activities, but also the people. If people matter to you, then the people that matter to you, you make time for. It's like choosing to be a good friend or a good parent or a good coworker, right? There's no excuse. <laughs> you just yeah. got to do at some point. And I think the same is true for the things that will become your passions. Mm-hmm. I think so too. <laughs> and so last question or last little wrap up here is where can people connect with you on the internet? I'm sure people can figure that out already, but... <laughs> Yes, my Instagram handle is at underscore 
expression arts and it's expression with just the X, not EX. <laughs> but I'm sure you could link that in here. Yeah, and cool. then also, I guess my email is expressionarts1 at gmail.com. And I guess other than that, I'm pretty anonymous. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> just usually on Instagram would be the best way to get in touch with me. Sweet. And then uh, this is just my own question is, will there be a website eventually? Just this is just a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had one before I had Instagram, but it was just very much like a portfolio. You couldn't really do anything from it. It was just me posting the same pictures I post on Instagram. So when I got Instagram, I deleted it, but I definitely want to make like a legit. Definitely. Whenever that comes live, we'll either update this or probably have you on again because there's always way more than just an hour of talking with all yes. of the things that we have going on. It's honestly really fun to just talk to you solo about all the things that you care about, even though I know a lot of it. It's just <laughs> fun to have the space to be able to ask my friends questions about stuff that they care about when you normally wouldn't get a chance to do that in normal circumstances. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. Especially when there's all friends around, you don't really get like a, a full hour to just talk about your own yeah. <laughs> passions. So yeah, that is super cool. Most people get self-conscious talking about the things they really like because they like, am I hogging the conversation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I like listening. So this is a lot of fun and I really appreciate you making the time and I hope this helps people understand why it is what you do and just all of the growth that you've had, at least for me to just stay in touch since you have moved out mm -hmm. to LA. It's been a lot of fun to just see all the stuff that you've been working on. And it seems, and this maybe continued into a second conversation, but just moving away has seems to like really energize mm -hmm. your creative juices, at least mm -hmm. from my perspective. And I think it's really cool and just keep on going. It's fun. Thanks. And thanks so much for having me on here. And I'll definitely want to do another one because I do have so much more to talk about. Of course, as <laughs> always. I wanted to take some time here and talk about how you, the listeners, can support Feeding Curiosity. I've always believed in providing more content to whoever listens to this of value than what you'd ever pay for. I don't like the idea of having to sponsor myself with products I don't use or believe in. If it's something I use and believe in, then sure, I will talk about it and I will do everything I can to do that. And I've done that on this podcast before. Not sponsored, but I've talked about many products that I believe in. But in the aims of choosing to create a new model that I believe in and that we should all be striving for is breaking ourselves away from the subsidized model that ads provide. And so with that, we have turned on the uh, anchor.fm support structure, which allows you, the listener, to subscribe to our content at the level of your choosing. That is either a 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99 a month. Meaning that you, the listener, and me, the creator, can be transparent about how much value you see in our content. And by doing so, that allows me to have more resources to ever increase the quality of this content. And that's not to say I won't be doing this anyways, but it breaks me out of the loop of having to worry about those things because there is a lot of time that goes into this podcast, but I love it. And I hope that by you choosing to support the podcast, you know how much I care about the quality of this content. And so with that, everyone, 
Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoy.